0: Support for this episode of Talking Tesla and the following message come from Wonder Capital. Wonder Capital's online investment platform allows you to invest in solar energy products across the United States, earn up to 8.5% annually while diversifying your portfolio, curbing pollution and combating global climate change. In fact, investors like you financed 40 large-scale projects in 2016, offsetting the equivalent of 2.5 million pounds of CO2 from burning coal. You can begin investing with as little as $1,000. And best of all, Wonder Capital doesn't charge any investor fees. To learn more, create a free account at wondercapital.com forward slash Tesla. That's Wonder with a U. W-U-N-D-E-R capital.com forward slash Tesla. Wonder Capital, do well and do good. Tesla. Talking Tesla Talking Tesla
1: I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator Because they put rings
0: on Elon It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm
2: Are you ready now?
0: Oh, I'm sure this is math
2: Tom? <laughs> Robert? Yeah Well, alright fellas Well, that's
0: it expected to drive a car without autopilot so here's the deal you know I'm not a good partner yeah. Tom I'll be the first to admit it I yeah. just think that this is a car company that run is run by super geeks all the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car you don't even Tesla. have Tesla yep I remember
1: that you've got a Model that's seen the future and it is light pole charging no I
3: wouldn't call it a screw up do you
0: like your Model X? God it's beautiful <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's talking Tesla 79. We are getting so old. 79. Can you wow. believe it? And somebody's missing Crickets. It's Tom. Tom is in New York. And we've decided, because of the difficulties of doing a show over Skype, that we wouldn't have Tom Skype in, but we will get him to give us a few rants and stuff pre recorded as Although, they were.
3: as I was reading the show notes, a number of times I heard Tom.
0: I heard him in my head. It was like an auditory hallucination. I know. At this point, you uh, probably know each of us so well that you can just, in your brain, insert Tom here or there or somewhere else. So let's get started. And um, I got a few things to start things off with. First of all, they fixed my door. Um, I got a new latch on the X. That's exciting. Your falcon wing doors are now They're no longer Falcon wing. They're now falking again. We'll see about that. We'll see how long this actually lasts. And, uh, you know, it does bring up the issue, although they're very nice and although they drove the little van out and they fixed it really quickly. If you don't live near one of these service centers, it's still going to take a long time for them to come and fix your door. I hate the Falcon wing doors. We're going to talk more about them when we get to Model Y. But the other problem I have, Robert, and this is really important to you, the other problem I have Remember, I've got the S and the X, and the S is new, and it has autopilot, except I have the pitch angle problem with my camera and the wavy lines. So I oh. said to the guys who's fixing my door, "Yes, when are they going to fix the freaking, can I call it falcon wing wavy lines, something Ooh. like that? And he said there was an internal memo yes. that said there should be a firmware update this week. This week, the 8.1. And, well, no, just he didn't specifically say but when he just said firmware update for the Wiggly Lines, right. and they're hoping that will fix most of them. A subset will still have to come in, so I don't know if that's true, but that's what he told me. Now, you're getting a new S this week. Oh. What day? Well, it was supposed to be Thursday. Work got kind of moved
3: around. I think that uh, I'm going to still push to make it on Thursday, but I was supposed to go up to the factory you might notice my voice is a little bit abnormal, abnormal. Yes. That's because I've been fighting with a, uh, a a gift from one of my patients for the last two weeks. And now it's gotten to a peak and that's pretty crappy. And so I was, I was planning on driving up with the family to Fremont Thursday, pick it up with a tour, mm-hmm. do the whole Tesla experience. Yes. And then maybe stick around the Bay Area, look around, have some fun. This has all been dashed. I have been spending an enormous amount of time in bed just trying to recover. So it looks like they're going to bring the car down to me. Mm-hmm. Of course, I tried to delay it till next week because it's spring break and I have some time off. But you know what's happening at the end of this week. No. It is the end of the quarter. It is Tesla frantic time. Ah. We must deliver every car. They said that they have a seven-day window from the time the car is complete when the car needs to be delivered and I've already pushed past that even though they told me when I first ordered it that it would be available at the end of the month even until um, April but they're pushing really hard they want to get all the cars delivered so they have set up a special expanded delivery option so I could go to one of the local service centers where they typically do a lot of deliveries. Or I could go to a new location that they've started to make up, at least down in Los Angeles. It's, uh, I don't even know where this place is, but they have delivery appointments for one-hour slots. And then they have these things called expedited sign and drive which is a 15-minute delivery option. Ooh, this is getting down to the five-minute delivery option we talked about last week. Yeah, that's like, you know, four times faster than the typical. And so I thought, wow, which way – I haven't decided which way do I want to do this. Do I want to do the hour-long? Do I want to do the 15-minute long? It's not like I need to learn a lot about the Tesla. Right. You don't need five minutes. You just need the keys. Pretty much. So I'm trying to decide on that and – I have to figure out what time I'm going to be doing this, and if I want the 15 or the one hour, I thought, what, would we, what should I do for Talking Tesla For Talking Tesla,
0: you should do the 15, because you've done the one hour. You know how that goes. I've done the one hour three times. <laughs> you need to do the
3: 15-minute experience and yeah. tell us all about it. And then go and have a nice meal and enjoy my car and take
0: it immediately to be wrapped in clear plastic. So uh, first of all, here is my suggestion. Yes. One of the big reasons you got this car is because it's got the all the hardware for full autonomy and for Autopilot 2.0. I suggest you do your 15-minute experience. Yes. Drive around the block. Yes. Find some place where Autopilot's supposed to work. Yes. Turn that shit on. And if you get wavy lines that are all over the place, you drive right back in. Mike, I would like to do a 15-minute return experience because it's crap. Can we say lemon? They must have fixed it, though, right? So they've known about this for months. Surely all of the new ones, like you're getting off the lot, have the pitch angle fixed. Surely. I should hope so. And I'm looking now on the map because I just brought it up. They're doing
3: it in this pretty cool area. It's like a new area where they've got a lot of new buildings and and, uh, and businesses and some pretty cool-looking, uh, I don't know, design area. And it's on Warner Drive in Culver City. So – I'm looking forward to this. This will be a good time.
0: So a couple of other things for this month. First of all, a Patreon shout out. I did a little Patreon uh, because Elon went crazy with tweeting, which we're going to talk about in most of the show. And uh, so James Carey said, Mel, even though you recorded in your X, the audio quality was fantastic. He loves the show. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much, James. Um and unless Elon goes crazy this week, the Patreon subscribers are going to get another Going Zero episode where I'm going to be talking about micro inverters versus string inverters and how you choose. And I'm using the Patreon people as here's a bit of extra content, but also there's a lot of smart people on there. Did I say it correctly? And I should also say that I got a check in the mail yesterday, and it's always fun to get a check in the mail. Really, this check was from Solar City. Oh, nice! Three hundred and sixty-four dollars. So one of I've got a number Whoa. of different solar arrays, and one of them is Solar City, and they guarantee you you're going to make X amount of energy. Well, I haven't been making X amount of energy, Ooh. so they gave me some cash back. Nice. But on this thing, they say, by the way. Uh make sure everything's all the trees are trimmed and uh, that the panels are clean because if we find out that you haven't trimmed your trees or there's bird poopy all over your panels but and you we are sending you money back
3: already stated on
0: talking Tesla That's right but what I don't know is I've trimmed my trees I've yes. cleaned up my poopy but the neighbor's trees who I can't S- cut have grown very tall so in winter I get some shading What do they do about that? There's actually
3: a law in the books, at least there is in my town, Culver City, that you are able to cut your neighbor's trees if they shade your solar power.
0: Really? Yes. That is a powerful law. It is. I need to find out if it's here, because I don't mind saying, you know, I'll spend a couple hundred bucks and go trim the top of your trees for you, because it's not really helping them, but um, I didn't know I had the power to say... And I'm doing it anyway.
3: Yeah, I wonder if there's a name for that type of law so that everybody could look it up in their area and see if they have the opportunity to force their neighbors to trim trees.
0: I believe it's uh, cap a cap diem or something like that in uh, the Latin. <laughs> something <laughs> like that. Let's look, full autonomy. Um, so I want to start off with this because I believe that uh, full autonomy is huge. And once we get into the all the things that Elon said this week, we're going to go down huge rabbit holes. But this is from Electric. And it's analyst Adam, uh, Jonas Adams of Morgan Stanley, who says the Model 3 will be 10 times safer than any other car. Now, Elon has said he wants to have uh, the Model 3 have a five-star crash rating, which here in the U.S. is the safest. It tells you that you only have a few percent of getting uh, seriously injured under various circumstances. And so he says, uh, but you know the best way to survive a crash? Yes. Not to have one. That's a good idea. And, you know, we had the horrible uh, London terrorism attacks this last week, and it was terrible. Like Mm. five people were killed and tens of people were injured. And this is a big deal, and it freaks us out, and we spend lots of time and money worrying about it. We watch it on TV. It gives us existential angst. But as always, when we talk about car accidents, I want to keep it in perspective as an ER doc, and I think that, you know, Rob can sort of join me on this. There were five people killed that day. In the yeah. U.S. that same day, 100 people were killed on U.S. roads. Thousands of people were injured, many of them quite seriously. And that happened that day. It happened the day before. It happened the day after. It happens every single day. So if you are worried about terrorism from a personal point of view, from I'm worried about my kids one day getting hurt by a terrorist or me getting hurt by a terrorist, you should be much more worried about your car. Your car is thousands of times more likely to kill you, or somebody else's car is thousands of times more likely to kill you. That's why I'm so excited about the autonomous vehicles being able to radically reduce this number, and it'll have much more effect on our lives than anything we're doing about terrorism. Imagine on the evening news if they actually had a uh, a video of
3: all five deaths that happened that day in a car. What would people do? Would they actually go and drive anymore? That'd actually probably be a, a great service that Uber would put together kind of in a conspiracy way, is that they, they gather all of the videos every day of all the people dying in car accidents and all the horrible rollovers and everything. They could probably spend 20 minutes on the news just showing all that stuff. And then people would be like, whoa, cars are kind of dangerous. Maybe I shouldn't drink and drive, or maybe I shouldn't be distracted with my texting and drive and etc
0: yeah it's a a basic psychological principle that human beings are really good at focusing on short-term really interesting or terrible events we're very good at focusing on that and terrorism's perfect for that we are terrible at focusing on chronic issues that occur every day whether it be climate change whether it be car accidents whether it be thousands of kids dying every year from malnutrition we just are not very good at focusing on that can we just go outside now mel and just take a quick smoke break yeah sure So uh, there is a quote here from um, Tesla that says, We think the Model 3 will feature hardware and software that provides a level of active safety that could significantly lead all other cars on sale today and could, if the company achieves its goal, be an order of magnitude 10 times safer than the average car on the road. According to nearly every OEM we talk to, safety is the number one determinant of car purchases. Look for safety to be the aha moment for this car due to launch this year. He went on to write this. Learning from Model 3 will enhance capabilities across the range, including Model S and X. To be clear, we are talking about an automated driving, not fully autonomous driving, where the driver has a legal obligation to keep the hands on the wheel at all times. The driver is still human, but with a superhuman human assist. So what they're saying is they're working on full autonomy and turning that on. But just traffic aware, cruise control, but even beyond that, just uh, braking for when uh, you're distracted. Uh, Side impact collision warnings. This stuff will make you a superhuman safe driver over and above just you you being yourself. Watching for the accident that's happening in front of the car in front of you so that
3: it can warn you and you can get out of the way. There are countless videos on youtube showing teslas avoiding accident situations because the radar and this is not even using all the cameras and all of the features that are available now in hardware two cars but using what's in hardware one and two cars to see accidents that you don't even have a chance of seeing this is really really cool and you've experienced this
0: yeah i've experienced this personally so i'm driving in the road and I'm looking over at this building that I know really well, and I'm like, oh, I'm just looking at the front door. What's happening over there? And then my car goes, beep, 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 and I immediately put my foot on the brake without by the time my head is turning forward. And it turns out that the car in front of me has done a crazy stop. I don't know why, maybe there was somebody in front of him, but just for that second or two that I was distracted because I'm a human. The car wasn't distracted. it's like, my job is to look at the car in front of you and the car in front of that. And if I see something breaking, then I'm going to tear you. So that's why I'm so excited about full autonomy. And this is interesting because what will Tesla do if they have Model 3s? Hundreds of thousands of them coming out there. You haven't paid for a fully autonomous driving, but all the sensors are there and they'll all be turned on. Will it be in the base model that uh, this sort of traffic-aware stuff will just be turned on? Even though it's not driving for you, it's going to say – Robert, there's a car, it's going to crash. And that's all turned on. I suspect that it will, and that alone should, should make that car a lot safer. But you won't be able to be in your, your car without having paid for
3: those added features and say, take me to the movies and sit back with your arms crossed and expect the car to do that. It, Elon was very clear uh, in this tweet storm that occurred that the Model 3 is not a next generation Tesla. It is just a Tesla. That is lower priced with fewer features with a lot more limited uh, choice, but that will be safe and that will be all electric and that people will definitely want to have. But if you want all the bells and whistles, Model S, Model X.
0: So let's talk about it then, because at first it was a tweet storm. But mm. then it went to a Class 5 hurricane of tweeting on Friday morning. And like I said, I sent a little Patreon as the first sort of five or six tweets came along. i like, these are really interesting. We should talk with the Patreon yeah. people. But then after I did that and recorded it, sent it out to the Patreon people, it kept coming Yeah, and you know, coming and coming. turns out Elon was on a
3: flight to Cape Canaveral for some NASA SpaceX business. And I guess he was bored. He might have been caught up on his work. He's already listened to all the talking Teslas up until that point. apparently. Yeah. And so he decided to just engage everybody and tweet, tweet, tweet away.
0: So uh, let's go over these. Here's a list, and I can't even guarantee you this is the entire list, but let's talk about each one. So as Robert just said, he said this, the Model 3 is not the next Tesla like an iPhone 8 is to the iPhone 7, that it's going to be smaller it's going to have less range and power and fewer features model S and X have more advanced features so i say this of course a $35,000 car something that's coming in at you know under half the price of an S or an X is not going to be a $100,000 it's a cheaper car so it is obviously going to have less features but what exactly does that mean so i say well of course it's going to mean like the interior isn't going to be as nice and you're not going to have some bells and whistles But what does it really mean? Is it going to have less autonomous features? Is it going to have less cameras? Is it going to be less safe? I don't think so. But what do you think? I think that we've already – so we saw this little
3: uh, uh, video. It's a very short video of a Model 3 production model three taking off with people in it it looks like it's pretty zippy it's a quick car and it stops on a dime and literally it is a very short video three to six seconds but on that what we see is that there are cameras on the side of the car if you look at the badge where your left turn signal right turn signal it's kind of that orange Uh, light that sits just behind the front wheel it looks to be the same as on the model s with a camera in it it uh, it has a different front it has a change it doesn't have that lip on the front like the model s has which is is kind of interesting it's not easy to see but we'll we'll figure out more in the future but bottom line is i think that it's going to be a car everybody really wants Um, i think one thing i picked up on this is that they're going to actually skip the whole beta yeah. Build out. They're going right to production. They feel comfortable going straight to production. So now the cars that they're churning out are going to be their you know road testing cars. This one hundred to three hundred cars that we've talked about on the show before.
0: Yeah, that was a big deal. That was part of this tweet storm instead of a beta. So usually you do alpha, which is like you hand build it. And uh, you think it's going to look like this, and you know, it's the end production model is not going to look like but you start there. Then you do betas, which is, yeah, they might come off the line, but you basically, we know we're going to have to change a lot of stuff, but let's get some more out there and tinker around. But this is a release candidate, which like in software is like, we think this is the real deal. If there's something to tweak, it's going to be minor. So they're jumping beta because they think they're already there, straight to release candidates. And the video was... As part of the tweet storm, Elon sent out this short little video, and you've already passed out, or the internet has passed out by zooming in. They've found cameras and stuff that I didn't look at. I just saw this this Model 3 going really quick, going, oh, that looks like a fun little car. It is. It looks great.
3: And so the other things that he said on there was that there's not going to be a heads-up display. Everybody's been like... Going back and forth, I'm going. I'm not going off this list, Mel. I'm sorry. I'm kind of distracted by my cold. That's all right. I have some notes here, though. But no heads-up display, and we've talked about this ad nauseum. This, uh, you know, would be a big deal. He would have. They would have to pioneer and put out some technology that no one's ever, no one's really using. No one's using a real, complete heads-up display in a large-volume production car. And I. Couldn't imagine that Tesla was going to do that. It would be, you know, another potential nightmare like the Falcon wing doors and like, uh, you know, whatever other numerous things that have gone wrong on the Teslas so far. And so just that one center display and somebody said, well, you know, well, how am I going to safely drive and and see how fast I'm going and stuff? And and Elon says, well, because it's going to be so autonomous,
0: how often are you going to need to look at it? He made the specific analogy when you're in a taxi, how often do you look at the display? And, of course, the answer is uh, never. Right. So, is he, so I was getting all worried, like, oh, it's going to have less features. It's going to be less technologically advanced. And I'm starting to freak out in my notes. He was like, what does this mean? What does this mean? <laughs> and then he says something like that. So I'm going back and forth. He says something like that, which specifically is suggesting it is going to have full autonomy or close to full autonomy. So I think I can calm down. That's going to be there. I doubt it will be in the base, except for this. He's saying if you don't have much of a display, even in the base model, you don't have much of a display. So does the base model have all of this autonomous driving or do you have to turn it on? I've assumed you have to turn it all on. But is he suggesting by something like that it's going to be on in the base model? Well, I imagine that when you're driving your car,
3: um, if they put in that center uh, 15-inch horizontal screen, up in the top left corner, which is closest to your eye. It's kind of where, I don't know, if you were were to look towards your radio, it'd be probably a third of the way down towards your radio, maybe a half of the way down towards your radio. There could be your speed. I mean, what else are you looking at when you're driving your electric car? Maybe directions, and so it could have, you know, you have your voice. There's always a voice prompt that you can use for directions. Left turn up ahead in 100 yards. You know, I don't like listening to it because I have the, the the display that's above the steering wheel. I forget the name for yeah, it. Yeah, I can't remember that one.
0: Yeah, but we know the one you mean. The, one you, the one's right in front of you, looking right.
3: straight, but not heads up. I don't even look at that that often. I will when I'm in a place where I don't know where I'm at. But I guess the bottom line is that they're trying to streamline this car. They want fewer things on it, fewer complications. They want the robot to just be able to produce this thing without the drunken Tesla employees. That's kind of a low blow, I'm sorry. but No,
0: but you do look at the pictures from the parking lot yeah. and you do wonder. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> and
3: so we don't want people putting in cameras that have the wrong pitch angle. We don't want people who are attaching the falcon wing doors in such a way that they don't latch. We want to make sure that when this car comes out, the build quality is like 100%, not 95, not 90, not 85. Because when they're pumping out 500,000 of these a year, then we can't have like 10,000 Ranger trucks coursing about Los Angeles just to fix these
0: little bits and bobs. So we don't know what's going to be on the base model in terms of autonomy, but we do know that we're not going to have a heads up display. We're going to have much less displays there. How this is exactly going to work, I don't know. Yes, if we fast forward five years where it's fully autonomous all the time, I don't need anything, but we're in this transition period, and that's why we're all like, what are we going to have there? Where are we going to look? And when people buy their car and they get the base
3: model, and then after a few months, those people who paid extra for all the autonomous features are showing YouTubes of them driven to work or talking about it on Internet forums or just talking about it neighbor to neighbor or driver to driver at the car wash, then people are going to be like, hmm, well... I paid my 35000 I got my tax credits and my state rebates. And, you know, I think maybe it's worthwhile to send Tesla another $5,000 or $7,000 to get all those features turned on. And you know what? I think they're betting on that so that you'll have a lot more people having fully autonomous cars because they have the option to add
0: that with just an unlock feature in the future. It's a, I think it's a little bit of a risk if this stripped down version is fine if you have all those autonomous features on. But if it's kind of crappy without them turned on, are they having the risk of, I bought the base model and the uh, sort of salespeople are saying, I know it looks kind of crappy because there's not much in here. But if you upgraded to the fully autonomous, it's really not that bad. Uh, is that going to be people like, uh, no, I want a nice car at the base? So, What do you mean crappy? They take- well, like… You don't have a heads-up display. You don't have a display right sort of underneath over the steering wheel. People getting in that the first time are going to be like, well, this is a really crappy display that I have here. It's not crappy if the car is doing most of the work. But if you haven't bought the features where it does most of the work, maybe you're going to be a little pissed. I don't know. We're going to have to see. Like he did say this, you know, again, and a job of a CEO – is to hype when hype is required and to dampen down hype when that is required. So he's been hyping Model 3. It's going to be fantastic, going to be fantastic. But this was very clearly a CEO saying, we need to wind back the hype and let people know, you are not going to get a $100,000 car for $35,000 for all the reasons Robert said. We're going to make this car come out fast. It's got to have a good build quality. It's not a $100,000 car. The leather is going to not smell as nice as a $100,000 leathery car. Maybe it's not even going to be as quiet. He's saying that this is going to be more like the BMW 3 Series or the Audi A4, but better than those cars. So it's not going to be a BMW 7 Series. It's not going to be a high-end Mercedes, but it's going to be these lower-end BMWs and Audis. But it's going to be better. And he says this, it's going to be better because it's going to be faster, it's going to have more storage, Mm -hmm. and it's going to have these autonomous features
3: that's why i was trying to temper everybody's expectation when they were coming out with these long lists of what features are you going to get on your car you know there's not going to be a whole lot of first of all performance features the first cars coming out will have no performance
0: yeah so let's say that explicitly he said there is not going to be a dual motor one for at least six to nine months so the first ones coming off are going to be rear wheel only and we don't know if that's six to nine months from now Or from production start July 1. I assume from when production. The first ones will have rear-wheel only drive. And then six to nine months later, you'll have the dual-motor versions. And there won't be any performance models for at least a year. Right. So if you're looking for the P-whatever-it-is, 75 dual-motor 3, you're going to have to wait a year. We've assumed and talked about... The way they've made their money in the past is you sell the most expensive version first. So you do the performance edition with 12 different uh, motors in it, and uh, you have all optioned up. And then if you do that, you get it first off the lot because it's the most profit. And they said they're not doing that this time. Right. So they're flipping the paradigm. It used to be with the S and the X, the first
3: people to get them got the full-blown everything-on-it car. And then they put out the cars that had less and less and less of the high-end features. Like, although in the beginning there were no dual-drive cars, I don't want to get letters on that one. <laughs> but the bottom line is, is now um, they're flipping the paradigm. They're trying to pump out all the low-end cars and do what uh, Elon has said has been Tesla's uh, ex- uh, expressed goal: get a mass market. Electric vehicle out there And I think that's cool If you want all the bells and whistles
0: Just buy an S Buy an X So uh, again He said uh, Like the Model S Is more like the BMW 5 Or 6 Series And um, Just sort of In terms of the Size of this car One of the things I said Like this car really Becomes a great Mass market car if the price is about right, if it's kind of cute. But also, it's got to be a functional car. One of the things that people really like, even though they've talked about, well, safety is the most important concern for most people. I don't think it is. I think it's an important concern. It's not number one. But if they can say this car has a frunk and uh, has lots of storage inside, much more than the the Audi and the BMWs, that's a big deal. That's a selling point that people go, wow, I can put a lot of crap in this car. And if you're a non-Tesla owner, you don't realize... Until you open up that car and drop some doors and get the frunk and stuff going, you're like, this has a lot of storage. It's a big deal. So I think that's a good selling point. And he also, when it
3: comes to release uh, versions, the right-hand drive car won't be out until at the earliest, the summer of 2018. So sorry to our friends in the
0: New Zealand and Australia. And the England. And England. I think those unfortunate people are used to that. They know that their market is smaller and that uh, this has happened with all the other cars. So that's true. And we have to realize that all of this is in MST. MST? Musk Standard uh, Time. Yes, thank you. I forgot the Musk Standard Time. So he's, again, explicitly said there's no new tech That's not already in the S and the X. And I think that's fine because as long as it's got the fully autonomous, the eight cameras, the radar, then that's fine. But let's talk about the other major thing that many of us are worried about. The pizza heater. I want to know about uh, how far this thing's going to go. So there's a little bit of back and forth going on this. And he says the maximum battery size that's going to be in this puppy is 75 kilowatt hours. And so somebody tweeted at him, will it have... Uh, as much range as the Bolt, his tweet back was, oh, so little faith. Really, I like that. I'm I'm sure
3: they've been holding this in the back for a long time, and he said that he would at least match the Bolt. But then when they come out and say they have like 20% more range, that's just going to blow everybody away or maybe 10% more range. But at the bottom line, it's going to do better. I don't think the Bolt has the same battery management system as far as temperature controls and such go and uh, it certainly doesn't have all of the tech with four-wheel drive which will make them the range even considerably better again all-wheel drive not coming out for a while but that will help a lot when it comes to range
0: now i'm going to do a little bit of math here and uh it's probably all wrong you said there would be no math uh, well i lied so a lot of people have assumed that the base model Three Is going to have a 50 kilowatt hour battery Let's just do this sort of thought experiment For a second, let's say that's true Let's say you've got a 50 kilowatt hour battery in the base yes. And that base Goes at least as far as the Bolt So let's say it does 250 miles yes. right? That's the base, it's more than the Bolt Everybody's happy, 50 kilowatt battery A lot of people have also assumed That you're going to have two batteries And that the other battery logically Would be a 75 kilowatt hour battery Right, so you yes. have got that If that were true that's a 1.5 times bigger battery. If, therefore, the base gets 250 miles, yes. guess what? The 75 kilowatt-hour battery would get 375 miles if it was a direct correlation. Now, of course, it's not going to be because there's more weight and stuff. But it would suggest that the 75 kilowatt-hour Model 3 probably would get something like 350 miles. What say you, Robert? That's awesome.
3: That's a huge range. I don't know how many people would pay for the 50% extra battery, but, um, you know, I think that's something that people would pull extra shekels out of their piggy bank to get that. I mean, if you look at it, I'm trying here to see on the Toyota Camry, what is the range of a base Camry? And it is?
0: Using gas, using uh, fossil fuels. Exactly. Exactly. So let me go back again. That's, a, that's made a number of assumptions. That's assuming that they are going to put a 50 kilowatt-hour battery in it and that that base will have 250 miles. If there is also a 75 kilowatt-hour battery, it will be substantially over 300 even though that battery is higher. So there's lots of assumptions there. We don't know. When are we going to know is one of the sort of things that's starting to not agitate me, maybe even excite me. But when are we going to know that we're going to have a March 31st event? Not now. Not
3: now, no. I was going to try and go, like I say, up to the factory and just happen to be there when they had one. But I heard it was not going to happen. And we know that there's something going to happen July, probably July 1, uh, when they put the Model 3 out to the Tesla employees who are or Tesla, SolarCity, et cetera, employees who are the first to receive them. But Judging from the number of sort of, I I don't know, I I seem like there's this internal pressure within Tesla. And Elon is one of the release valves for that internal pressure. And this pressure has been building and building and building. And just this tweet storm that we experienced this week is an evidence that we are going to be getting a lot more details over the coming three months to find out what's going on with this
0: car. Because how can they possibly keep this stuff under wraps? So a couple more things about this tweet. So Fred Lambert from Electric um, did a bit of uh, direct messaging uh, with Elon, and he was saying specifically – Elon was specifically saying, look, they're minimizing the configuration complexity so that they can ramp this production. They talked about the rear-wheel-only version for a while, the uh, heads-up – the lack of the heads-up display. And although Elon said there's no new tech in here, there is an enormous amount of new tech in the production of the car. So all of the new tech is in new robots, new software, new ways of creating this thing. That's where the new tech is. Don't go buying a Model 3 expecting it to have bells and whistles that you can't get right now. And on that point, he said, I will be driving – the Model S. Consider the Model S, the current Model Ss, the new Model Ss are coming. They're really version four of the car. Right. Model 3 is not the iPhone 8. It's more like the iPhone 7, which is a perfectly fine phone. Or,
3: or the, the iPhone C, right, which was the less expensive iPhone that didn't have all of the features, but a lot more people could afford. And people were saying, wow,
0: that thing's not going to sell. Why is Apple doing this? This is stupid. Well, it turned out to be incredibly successful. And then he talked about, and this got me excited, and Model Y is going to come in a few years, Uh and he said specifically kind of have to. Now, I'm going to pass that out a little bit. What does he mean, kind of have to have the Model 3 in a few years? Is it because Model 3 is going to take up all the production capacity for the next few years? Or does he kind of have to do it because uh, people are going to want that SUV version? Because it turns out here in the U.S. at least, about half of the people want a standard sort of um, sedan-like car, and about half of people want crossover SUV-like version. So I think that's what he's getting at. But even if he wanted to tomorrow, maybe even if they had it ready There's no way they could produce enough fast enough. So I think it's get Model 3 out, get the sedan version out, and then ramp up uh, to Model 3. But please, Robert, please tell me. Please tell me there's no falcon wing doors going to be on this Model Y. I think they're actually going to produce a falcon wing door
3: version for the Model Y. And I think that's just because it's become a, a moniker. It's become a trademark for Tesla to have this cool door that can open up even in tight quarters and give you wide uh, access to the vehicle. I think that, you know, this is a work in progress. I remember the original door handles, right, we had on the Model S when it came out in 2012 beautiful sleek hefty chrome handles that popped out that was the wow factor of the model s the car was a beautiful car too but those handles were a wow factor and when i went once i think early on before they even opened up the Sentinela service center while it was still up on santa monica boulevard i was there at the service desk just kind of waiting for my car and noticing all these parts sitting out and i saw this door handle and i picked it up and i was like this thing's heavy. And the guy's saying, Yeah, well, you know, we're having a lot of problems with them. And sure enough, they had to go through a number of versions of door handles and had to replace a lot of door handles. And people were like, Why, 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 why make this door handle? Why do this? And again, it's Elon's ethos is to push the limits and to make something that is very recognizable, very you know, a lot of people out there still don't know what the hell a Tesla is. Where's the gas tank? I hear that still. And so th- I tell them, listen, you need to listen to talking Tesla. That's the first thing. The second thing Step is, one. yeah, you need to think about getting a car without a gas tank. But these are, this is the way of Tesla. And I don't think it's going to go away. And I'm hoping that for the people who buy a Model Y with a falcon wing door type, they are going to benefit from all of
0: your headaches, Mel. Oh, please, somebody better benefit from it. So you're suggesting, and I like this, two versions of the Model Y, Um, a falcon wing door version and a non-falcon wing door version. And I have in the notes here a link to some mock-ups that uh, third parties have done of the Model Y. And you can have, there are mock-ups of Model Y with falcon wing doors and without. The one without is a shrunk down X, standard doors. It looks absolutely beautiful. That's the car I want. I want a smaller car than the X. I don't want the Falcon Wind doors. It looks beautiful. That's the car I want. If Tom were here, he'd be freaking out because I'm getting the three. I'm not getting the three. I'm keeping the S. I'm not keeping the S. I'm getting another (laughs) S. I'm getting a Y. He'd just be losing. his poopy. But I believe I've been consistent. It is the X without the fucking wing doors that shrunk down in his little zippy that I really want but it probably doesn't matter because autonomy is going to take over and then I won't own a car at all and I'll choose on that day at that time what car I need right now and as long as the car that shows up at your front door to take you wherever you're going has a door that works what does it matter Exactly. And then it doesn't stink because the last person vomited in it. Look, you brought up another important point. So you were talking about the door handles and they're breaking all the time. So I want to do the next thing here, which is from Autoblog, which is J.D. Power, which did a little report report. Now, J.D. Power does a lot of product research and focus groups. And they went to people who are you know, going to be Model 3 owners or want to be Model 3 owners. And they asked them lots of questions. And they said, look, in the past, Teslas haven't been very reliable. In fact, if you list all the car manufacturers, Tesla has been nowhere near the top in terms of build reliability. How do you feel about that? Because current Tesla owners sort of are in a club. Uh, They understand that they're sort of beta testing this new form of technology. If things break, we don't get as pissed as normal people. And they probably have a second car, so they've got some backup. So we've sort of understood, you know, we're sort of helping move this forward. But they asked these people who were going to get the Model 3, how do you feel about a car that might break a lot more than uh, your Toyota Corolla, your Honda Civic? And they're like, nah, I'm not so happy with that. This is a functional car. So as we've said many times, and here's some more evidence for it, Mm -hmm. the build quality has to be great. It can't be broken all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm concerned about this because We haven't seen that Tesla's able to do this. If you think about the Japanese auto manufacturers. So I grew up in Australia, and Australia at the time had GM and Ford Mm -hmm. building cars in Australia. And the build quality of those cars was not very good. The Japanese build quality was a little bit better. But Mm -hmm. then what happened is that Japanese build quality of their cars got better and better and better. And they had these continuous loops of making it better. And for a long time... And I believe this is true in the U.S. The Japanese build quality was so much better than Australian built cars that it really became a you know you bought an Australian car because you wanted to buy Australian, but not because you knew it was a better car. The Japanese automakers were better.
3: Same analogy in the United States. I remember, and I was a car guy. I had a Trans Am, and I had all kinds of really cool American cars, and I spent so much time working on them. I actually thought, I actually thought that I enjoyed working on cars, getting my hands dirty, getting enough grease under my fingernails that I could never get it out. I actually thought that that was something I liked to do, but the reality is it wasn't. I was just selling myself, telling myself that if I didn't know how to do this stuff, that I would be without a car. And then I got my first uh, Honda and I was like, "Wow, this thing just drives." It drives, it drives, it drives. I replace the oil once in a while and it drives and it drives. And I was like, wow, I don't have to
0: worry to come out to my car to try and start it and it not starting and not going. And
3: what a bunch of crap.
0: That's exactly the same thing I had. I had Australian sort of built GMs and Fords. And then when I got my first Honda Civic and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this thing never breaks. It never breaks. You can't go back. Once having been there, you can't go back to a car that breaks kind of a lot. So that's why I say the market has changed. I think they get it. But there is no evidence yet that they can do it because it took the Japanese manufacturers and the U.S. manufacturers right. now have gotten much. But it takes a long time to get your build quality up. Can Tesla do it in by July, by if, August? I don't know about it. Depends if you have like a good Alcoholics Anonymous uh,
3: program on campus.
0: You're really obsessed with all of the alcohol that's in the parking still, lot. <laughs> you know,
3: somebody could have been posting pictures from a local you know, who knows where those pictures are of the Papa vodka bottles in the parking lot and all the crushed cans from beer and such. Maybe that's from somewhere else, but I have a bad feeling that they are actually from the Tesla parking lot and
0: that just, just. Hopefully I, it's the end uh, of work, not the beginning of work. And then they drive home and die. They cannot drive the oh. I got another article here from Electric, which um, just is another reminder of why this car is so good. So we're worried about build quality. I got it. But uh, it's I just put it in for reference, which is a list of all of the software updates that have occurred to the car in the last few years. And it is amazing how much better Very the car cool. has gotten from firmware and software updates which other manufacturers are now sort of trying to copy. But Tesla is definitely way ahead. And there's nothing more exciting in a young Tesla owner's life than to wake up and see there's a new software upgrade for your Tesla and for you to run outside and to turn it on and see what new things have come in your car. It's really cool. And this was from a Reddit uh, contributor
3: I'm trying to find his name because I just want to, he or her, amazing that they went through this and did such a great job outlining it. I went down through the list and I have experienced pretty much all of these updates. Many of them are minor, right? Like a change in a button on the screen and an added screen, which I always try and want them to keep it as simple as possible. But I'll always remember that morning when I woke up and I got in my car and I put it in reverse and Bam! There were those backup lines. Uh That has changed my life. (laughs) You know, you're not a good parker, right? No. Yeah. I was a pretty good parker, but at the same time, this is a big car with a big fat ass when you're backing up. And now I back into parking spaces all the time, and I don't even have to look back. I've got all of this information coming at me, and those lines make it so easy,
0: and it's fantastic. One of the uh, updates I want to see, because, you know, Grandpa's got the bolt, the Bolt has cameras in the front and the side and the back, and uh, they have this front camera. So when I'm pulling up in the Bolt, I can see what's happening in the front. And then right. it does this software thing where it gives you this projection as if there's a camera over the top of the car. It works really well. How hard would it be with Tesla, with the uh, version 2.0 hardware, with all of those cameras to create the same thing? Surely just a software upgrade. And, um, that would be kind of cool. Let's talk about money. This is from Teslarati. We love those guys. Last week, we talked about a capital raise. So Tesla went out and said, we need to burn a lot of cash to get the ramp up, so let's try and um, get $1.15 billion in debt. And wow. so they Billion sen- with a B. Billion with a B. So they sent it out there, and uh, you could purchase all of this stuff in ways that I still don't understand, but it's basically debt. There was so much demand, so much demand. In fact, they got $1.4 billion. In cash Shabam So finances are hard But people want to buy Tesla debt And therefore sort of Tesla stock and I was So just, this is a big deal I was thinking that
3: you know, you were talking about What would it take to get the Model Y out And I thought well you know, If Tesla wanted to raise another 3 or 4 billion dollars To put out another factory And to start a whole other Y and or truck production They could probably raise the money they probably don't have a problem in that. That's not their barrier. Their barrier is people and coordination power. They're, I know they're doing this, and Elon said that in the tweet Monsoon, that he's working, they are working as fast as possible. And when he was apologizing to the right-hand drive community, and, and I believe it, I don't think that they can, I think they're going as fast as they can.
0: Yeah, and the concern is if they had to do a significant retool, let's say they put out a whole bunch of cars and uh, there's a problem and they've really got a retool, um, it is such a cash-eating machine, that would be a problem. So there's now going to be a lot of debt on there. If this works, uh, they'll be fine, but I don't think they can afford to take on a whole bunch more debt to do Model Y. It's really about Model 3. This has to succeed. It has to do well. And if it does, as we've talked about a number of times, they've got it so that their uh, suppliers are going to give them credit so they could be making most of these cars on the supplier's credit. So let's talk about Tesla Gigafactory 1. We have new aerial pitches. uh, So electric – has got some great pictures here. Tell us about them. This is wonderful. I've been waiting for this,
3: waiting for this. In fact, I was going to write to Fred and ask, hey, we're overdue. Typically, we get these pictures from – there's like a guy who does – I think he's a um, a flight instructor, and he does flyovers like every month or so. And we would get these great pictures of the Gigafactory as it's increasing in size. The sections are being completed. And so – He answered my wish without even sending him an email. And we've got new pictures. This is from like a mapping or a infrastructure company that is preparing some high voltage power line run in Mm -hmm. the neighborhood. And they were taking pictures. And then I guess they figured, hey, let's take some pictures of the Tesla building. And you see the main three string of buildings that were the first three that went up with this block of four at sort of the eastern end, and they finish this half block on the western end, and it looks like it's almost done. The roof is almost completely done, ready for a billion solar panels. But the electric article reminds us that it's 1.9 million square feet of footprint, mm-hmm. but it's 4.9 million square feet if you consider that this is a multi-level building. So it's a ton of How? square feet. How much of a ton? Uh, I think it's a pretty- A ton. Well, it could be that big of a ton, but when it gets done, it's going to be an even bigger ton because this building is still like
0: only 19% complete.
3: That's crazy to think that.
0: It is. These are beautiful pictures. This is enormous and I didn't really get that. I sort of it was there in my brain, but yeah, this is multi-story. I'm looking at how big this structure is and how big it's right. becoming. And you're like, oh my gosh, that is an enormous factory. And then you realize, hang on a minute, there's like three or four stories within that. This is not just an enormous factory. This is huge. It's going to be the biggest of its type anywhere in the world. Until they build Gigafactory 3, which may be even bigger. Which could be in Perth. I'm going for Perth. Perth. This is like uh, trying to get the Olympics into your city. I'm going for Perth. Come on. Uh, Great pictures. Take a look at them. So I want to talk about solar and renewable energy. So we're closing in on the studio. In fact, we might be in by Friday, and it's going to be great. Whoa. So we're going to be doing a lot of things to try and make that a uh, zero emissions uh, building. We're going to put up solar panels. It's going to be great. And we're actually going to create a set. So we're going to build a set to do a number of our programs. And one of the programs is Talking Tesla. And actually, our design guy, Dave Mason, who you've heard on the program, is actually going to build the set with some of the design elements of uh, Tesla. So it's going to be cool. Can't wait to show you it in the coming months. But... One of the roofs of the building there, there's a number of different um, buildings on this property. Right. One of the roofs needs a new roof. And I was thinking, okay, perfect, because it's fa- it's south-facing, which in the Northern Hemisphere nice. is perfect for solar. So I thought to myself, self, let's just keep the crappy roof on there right now. But when is the Tesla solar roof coming? Because I need it Immediately. Well, I need to bring an umbrella, though, to the studio because I hear the roof is leaking. In in, in the meantime, you might have to wear a little bit of a raincoat. So it turns out, Taz Larati says, as part of the March 24th tweet storm that I missed but is in there, that remember that Universal Studios last year, they did the big reveal, the glass solar roofs, and they're etched and they look beautiful and they're amazing. Well, Elon, as part of the tweet storm, said they're going to start taking orders for the beautiful Tesla solar roofs in April. They're going When? Be- April. April this year? April, like, start taking orders in April. That's like three days away. They're going to be built at Gigafactory 2 in New York. So I'm excited about this. So in this area I have about 300 square feet. So let will do a little math here. I've got 300 square feet of this perfectly south-facing, uh, absolutely no shading. So if they can match what is current at about 10 watts per square foot then I could probably get 3,000 kilowatts there. And if they can match $3.5 per watt installed, which is kind of where it is in the US right now, then for about 10000 bucks, I could get a 3,000 kilowatt system, which probably isn't enough. I might have to build a carport and do another 3,000. But I want to see this. So if they're saying orders in April, we're probably not going to see anything built until at least July is my guess. Yeah, there's a few a few hitches in this potential
3: plan of yours. I hate to be sort of the bummer. Oh, God, come on, tell me. But I learned that at the reveal at Universal Studios, the solar shingles that they showed were really only mock-ups. What? They had put them on the building, but there was no connector system. Because I thought I thought to myself, why aren't they showing like the actual solar production? Why aren't they showing the energy going into the house, out from the house, from the battery. Why weren't they showing us the details of how these worked? And then I found out that these were only mock-ups. They didn't actually have the connector system worked up yet. I don't know. It sounds like they're going to need to have micro, maybe micro micro inverters on every one of these little panels. So they, they probably have micro inverters on each one of these little panels because of the way you think about it. They're going to have what's called, quote, dead panels, live panels. Depending on how your roof lays out with dormers and other shading elements, they're going to need to have these panels easily installed, quickly installed, because basically instead of installing maybe, I don't know, 10 to 20 solar PV panels, they're going to install hundreds, maybe thousands of these units. I don't believe at the time they had this all worked out. So the question I have is, The release, July, Musk standard time. We may need to put some more plastic on the roof.
0: Yeah, I don't see how I'm going to see it in July. If they order in April, um, yeah, I don't know exactly when this is going to come in. And this microinverter idea is interesting there's starting to be some chatter by some smart people who understand this stuff like you couldn't really could you put a micro inverter on every single tile they'll probably have to do bunches of tiles on a micro inverter another bunch of tiles on a micro inverter um so we'll have to wait and see um so for now I'm like if you're like me you've kind of got a roof that needs it but you don't want to put a new roof on and then get standard um uh, roof until you see this stuff and see how much it's going to be. We're in that period where we're going to have to wait because we really don't know how much these are going to be. Right. They've suggested it'll be about the same as the a normal roof, but then they were saying minus, you know, the cost of the fact that it makes electricity. So we just don't know exactly how how much these are going to be. It just looks cool. I just want it. Oh, I want it cuz they look spectacular.
3: Yeah, and put that with a with a power wall too. Wow. Wouldn't that be the slickest thing?
0: And, you know, as part of the show and as part of sort of our push, that's what I would do. I would actually get this installed, and I would get two or three uh, Tesla power walls, even though you know the the payback period for me would be a long time. It'd just be nice to have that uh, then we can sort of experiment with it we can talk about it on the show. And in the occasional time when I need battery backup, it will actually be there. So all of this will be a fun little experiment. See, now I hear but Tom. we'll see how much. I hear Tom talking that
3: the both of us are idiots because now that we're doing this Talking Tesla podcast, we're actually spending an enormous amount of money buying, for me, another Tesla, you, a third Tesla, you, a solar roof, you, Powerwall. I'm thinking of about a Powerwall. It's... It's
1: ludicrous.
0: Now, it is ludicrous if you're just looking at it from a pure financial point of view, but I look at it from like, okay, I have a company, and uh, we do Talking Tesla, and we do sort of environmental podcasts, and we do all this stuff. I am a early adopter. I want to push this forward. I think it's uh, we can afford it in our business, so we are going to be zero emissions. And if that helps Tesla, great. And if that helps the show, great. But I'm not doing it for financial reasons. For financial reasons, it's stupid. But there's more than just finances involved here. So uh, – California is about to change the way they do met net metering now this is a very california specific, so I'll summarize this quickly because everybody in Australia and other places don 't care
3: yeah, Southern California Edison, which supplies power to almost the entirety of Southern California. Uh, not San Diego, not L.A. City, but I'm in their area, have quietly been rolling out what's called net metering two, and that's going to start July 1. And if you don't have a solar system yet and you're living in Southern California Edison region, I put in a map that gives a good overall view of where Southern California Edison is. If you're in the Southern California Edison region, you've been thinking about going solar, you really need to think about doing it now. And the reason I say that is because they're changing the net metering. The amount of credit you get for the extra energy production during the day when your panels are are soaking up the sun is going to go down and the price you're going to pay for electricity during the daylight hours is going to go up because they're starting at 8 a.m. to jack up the price. And at noontime, they're really jacking up the price. And all day long, if you happen to work at home, like some of us, and you run an air conditioning unit at home, like some of us who live in hot climates, you're going to end up paying significantly more and your extra solar production may not carry you through. So your solar bill, your uh, energy bill is going to go up. And so if you're thinking about going solar, then I so encourage you to do it now. And uh, I had great experience with solar City. I, I'm considering them for another structure. I actually watched a neighbor recently who's getting a bin on a solar city roof, and they have the option of buying the power wall too. And I'm like, do it, do it, do it, do it, because I just want to see that thing on the outside of their house. It's like $5,500. They're ready to start installing them. They've actually put, I think, two or three in so far in my region. You can check on the solar city website. I can give you a good, uh, I'll, I'll include a link
0: to uh, the solar city guy that I've used and actually has worked on Mel's place too. So uh, my grandfather's uh, place is in this area, and they have to. I think we've talked about it before. They're going to be a little bit careful here because, you know, if they change the economics of this too much, they're actually you know helping Tesla out enormously. Really, because you know if they're going to jack up the price that you have to buy versus how much you can sell, then the idea of the economics of a Tesla Powerwall falls into Tesla's favor very quickly. Like, so you're not going to pay me much? Then I'm just going to make my own, store my own, use my own, won't use you much at all. So they've got to be careful how they do this. But I don't really care because uh, it's good for Tesla if, you know, thousands of people say, well, now that power will uh, payback period is now three years instead of eight years, I'm getting one. I think that's sort
3: of one of those unintended consequences of this, that power companies are actually just going to screw themselves out of selling you more power.
0: So let's talk about the kids suing for climate change. Uh, You talked a little bit about this. You've got a little bit of follow up. Uh, Give us the summary.
3: Yeah, this was, I wanted to cover this when I was in Washington, but we had some technical difficulties. This is a really important movement that is growing and I think needs Tesla Nation's support, talking Tesla Nation support. This is the kids suing to save the climate lawsuit. It's also known as Alec L. versus McCarthy. It was filed in 2011. We've talked about it in the past, and basically it states this their complaint assertion that through the government's affirmative actions in causing climate change, it has violated the youngest generation's constitutional rights to life, liberty, and property, as well as failed to protect, quote, essential public trust resources, end quote, which is basically air and water. And so these kids, there's like 20 of them in 2011, they were between 3 and 20 years old, are claiming that not only the U.S. government, but the oil companies and the energy companies that are burning coal and natural gas are all contributing to global climate change, which has been established without a doubt in the scientific community. And this lawsuit is continuing to move forward, despite the Obama administration trying numerous times to squash it, and of course now the Trump administration as well. But Uh, Recently, a judge moved again that the lawsuit can continue to go forward, even though the U.S. claim that it is, quote, extraordinarily broad, end quote, and places an outsized burden of discovery on the federal government and the United States. And the United States could be irreparably harmed. Duh. And so it's interesting. They sent out a letter and they had a judge validate it that told the government, and the fossil fuel companies that they are not to eliminate information and data that had been on the websites of these organizations because, believe it or not, the day after the inauguration, um, miraculously, a lot of pages on the EPA website that talked about global climate change happened to have disappeared and their mandate was, you cannot destroy this information. We are we are mandating that you keep it. And so this is moving forward. I was inspired reading about this a couple of weeks ago. I made a $100 donation to the Children's Climate Change Lawsuit. And I encourage you to do so. I'm going to throw a link in the show notes for it.
0: So this is very interesting. We talked about uh, that this idea of suing for climate change is going to become a bigger and bigger deal. Now, if you're like me... And you intrinsically dislike the idea of suing because suing is not something – that's part of the culture you grew up with. This makes you a little anxious. But at the same time, I get it. If there is a, uh, a, an industry up the stream from you and it is dropping mercury into the water and everybody knows that mercury in the drinking water is bad and they know and the government knows and they collude to um, sort of hide that fact – then at some point, then your only way to stop that is to sue them and say, you knew that it was bad, you did it anyway, it's against the law, so uh, lawsuit. Stop, stop, stop doing it. And so that's sort of the same thing, despite what some people say. The, the science here is done, as done as cigarette smoking, as done as mercury in the water, as done as anything that uh, CO2 is bad. And so if you're colluding to say, well, it's not really – if you're funding people to say, it's not really a problem, and you go on and create enormous environmental difficulties for generations ahead, do those generations that are alive now say, this is bullshit, stop lying, and start fixing the problem? That's basically what they're saying. And I think that that is something that is going to work itself out in the courts in the coming years.
3: Ourchildrenstrust.org. How about superchargers, Mel?
0: Give us the summary. There's a lot of them.
3: We've got a good week of supercharger activity. It's not as like orders of magnitude, but we've got five new superchargers, four went into construction, and three started the permitting process. I want to shout out to Blue Shift, one of the Tesla Motors Forum members, who keeps compiling this information. High five. And so let me tell you about the the superchargers that have opened this week. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Vacation Resort, South Carolina. Hub of the Grand Strand I never knew what the Grand Strand was. I know what a grand stand is. Yes. But the Grand Strand is a 60-mile string of beaches, and Myrtle Beach is right in the middle of it. It's also known for celebrity-designed golf courses. Thank
0: you. I know. I was excited when I saw that.
3: So you can drive your Tesla there, charge up while you're having a round of golf, or maybe before or after. And then there's, uh, there's a few in the foreign lands, like Air de Manissue, I don't know. If Tom's yeah, going to Tom's going to butcher it. me <laughs> on that one. This is uh, in France, and it's a it's basically just a way station. It's not even much of a place to stop. It's just an off ramp on the on the highway, but it's on the way from Lyon to Grenoble. And I remembered Grenoble. I was like, Grenoble, Grenoble, is that Chernobyl? Where? Yeah, exactly. Was that where they had <laughs> a meltdown? No, no. It was the site of the '68 Winter Olympics, and it's also known for les Boubous. What's that? The bubbles. Which I guess are these, they're like cable cars, but they look like little round bubbles. Oh, they do. are so cute. (laughs) And they connect the town to the summit of the La Bastille Hill. Then we have Shanghai, China. Mel, I have a question for you. Yes. How many superchargers do you think there are in Shanghai, China? That's a big place. Uh, It's a
0: big place. Five.
3: There's 24 million people who live in Shanghai. Six. Right. 13. This is the 13th supercharger in China. In Shanghai, which in the back of my mind, I'm hearing Tom saying, those people need only to use superchargers when they're driving long distances. But the reality is they are clustered all over the city, like gas stations. There you go. Yeah. There's 24
0: million people in Shanghai. There are. Holy smoky.
3: Well, that's a probably a, only a medium-sized city in China.
0: <laughs> oh my
3: gosh. There's a lot of people in China. Apparently. So now we have Woodall, UK. It's a hamlet near sheffield i can't even do accents with this voice but it's in the middle of england it's on the m1 which is their main highway it's like the i-1 if we had such a thing and it's the home of kiverton park coal pit oh that's good (laughs) yeah evidently that was responsible for the town's growth back in 1864 and the slag heap from this coal pit is one of the only things you can see from a distance around this town, which makes me kind of nauseous. And so I was looking to see like, well, what's around there if it's such a small little hamlet? And then I was kind of even further horrified because I saw that right near the Tesla supercharger, there's a ton of American stuff. Tom would love that there's a Starbucks, a Burger King, a KFC, Subway, Krispy Kreme, and if you need an overnight, a Days Inn. Oh, that's upsetting. There's nothing worse...
0: Look, American culture is great, but it becomes all pervasive. You go to Australia and that's Starbucks. I'm like, oh, come on, where's the little Australian coffee place? Although a lot of these countries are pushing back. And uh, Starbucks was, a few years ago, everywhere in Australia. Now it's trendy to not go to Starbucks, to go to the local coffee place. So American culture is fine, just don't want it everywhere all the time. We're an invasive species. So there's another UK, Newport Pangel.
3: It's a small town in Buckinghamshire. On the way to Northampton from London. It's nice. It's like about 20 miles. It's only, I'm sorry, it's only 20 kilometers away from another supercharger in Northampton. So Northampton had six stalls. This place has like another 12 stalls. It's, Kind of interesting to see how clustered together superchargers are becoming, and that just tells me that they're getting ready for Model Three build out. And I think that uh, we're probably going to continue to see a ramp up in
0: supercharger production from the way things have been looking over the past few weeks. Um, I love the, uh, I love London. I love uh, you know England. It's just a great place. So I would love to do a driving Tesla tour. Mm. It's you know it's small. You can go to all the places now. They've got lots of superchargers there. That'd be cool. So somebody over there, get ready. Mel's coming. Rent a car. Going to the superchargers, checking out all the all the Cotswolds and all the fun places that are there.
3: You know, Wales is is bereft. There's no superchargers what? in Wales.
0: Wales is so nice. They it's better the slap beautiful. one over there.
3: And and if you go to Northern Ireland, no superchargers.
1: All right.
0: There's come only on.
3: two superchargers in the middle of Ireland that they're actually in construction and and. Uh, uh, Scotland, only three superchargers, one of my favorite places on the planet. It's sad. And then I hear Mel in the background saying, Mel will be angry because only one supercharger has opened in the US.
0: I know. There needs to be so many more it going. All right, let's talk about SpaceX and aerospace as part of the tweet storm. Well, actually, this is before the tweet storm. Um, there's been some new bills here about funding of NASA by the Trump administration And Elon is very careful about not ever criticizing NASA because uh, SpaceX gets literally billions of dollars worth of grants from um, them. Yes. But he said this new funding bill basically doesn't help them at all. It makes no difference for Mars because really in Congress, nobody's really interested in Mars. They like rockets. They like bombs. um, They like satellites. But exploring sort of the moon or exploring Mars is really not – on their radar, as it were. So this exploration to Mars is going to have to be done with private cash.
3: Which is amazing because the cost of going to Mars compared to the cost of going to the moon is like orders of magnitude. Cost. Complexity? Many, many orders of magnitude. Like, how do you poopy for six months?
0: Exactly. Let's do some potpourri. First of all, warehouse expansion. So you've got your factory in Fremont, and it's big, and it's going to be pumping out a whole bunch of cars. Yes. But people have been concerned, Elon himself has been concerned, we're going to run out of space here when we ramp up production. There's so much stuff that needs to come in. So, about 20 miles from the Fremont factory, there is a huge 1.3 million square feet um, sort of factory thing that's been built by a third party in Livermore. And Tesla has basically rented the entire thing. And the idea here is that this will be a staging area. You'll make the battery packs in Gigafactory One. You'll bring them over to this staging area. Then they'll shuffle them from there to the Fremont factory. You'll build the car and then you'll get rid of the car, and you'll have some more space. Right. So this is a huge factory. It's about 25% the size of the factory in Fremont. Huge. It's a LEED-certified silver, so it's a pretty green factory. Yeah. And the rent, $8.9 million a year.
3: That's a lot of rent.
0: It's a lot of – so whoever built that's really happy. Like, we built this thing, and I'm sure they were thinking, it's going to take a long time before we can rent out all the space, and Tesla just comes along and says – yeah, we'll just take the
3: whole thing. Yeah, they, they had one of the buildings for some time now, and then they just decided to get all
0: of it. And it's a huge, huge, huge piece yeah. of land. Um, then there's a really interesting article here in Electric that doesn't really fit anywhere else. But So, you know, Tesla wants to accelerate the world of sustainable energy. Well, Kurt Keltley, is it it? Keltley? Keltie. Keltie was at a meeting, and he basically says, and he works for Tesla, And he says this, uh, we see the future in houses that we want to be your um, provider for everything. So we've talked about it before. So remember, they want an EV in your garage that they built. They want you to charge it up with their solar panels, SolarCity. They want you to save that um, energy in a power wall. And uh, this becomes a huge game changer. And they understand, and I like this, that in order to do all of that, they're going to have to bring the cost per kilowatt hour, particularly for... um, the home storage down significantly and they think they can do it. And they have some pretty cool iOS apps and stuff that I like to look at. But this is happening right now. Distributed energy production, storage and use in your electric car is happening and they get it. Democratization of energy. This
3: is the soup to nuts approach, this vertical integration. And I can't imagine, I'm thinking like how many years will it be until a significant, I don't know, 3-5% of people's homes are powered by solar, where they store the extra solar, where they use the extra energy either for uh, their car or they keep it in the battery, and basically use very little energy from the grid. And this, number one, unburdens the grid. Number two, makes the grid more durable. And number three, prevents us from having the power outages that just Muck up our life like they've been having in South Australia, I think that we're more vulnerable to that here at least in the Los Angeles area, since we've lost this huge methane storage unit up near Porter Ranch, even though i've heard talk of them wanting to put it back online. All the people who live out there. Will probably chain themselves <laughs> exactly. to the gates to prevent that from happening. And I did throw in a picture here from a recent proposal I saw from Solar City that shows the energy management program with a battery pack, the the Powerwall two, and it's really cool. It gives you like how many hours until complete discharge, how much time until it's, I should say, time to discharge, time till empty. Current usage, it gives you a little graph. This is like so you can tell your kids, hey, be sure to turn off the lights. No, don't put on the air conditioner in that room since you're not living there. This is all ways for us to reduce our use, which is even more important than adding capacity to our house.
0: Yeah, you can see with just sort of this little picture, this app that very quickly... It'll be like a Nest learning system. It'll start to turn stuff off. You'll be able to quickly turn stuff off. Um, This sort of revolution in home energy storage is happening now. It's time to do letters. But before we do that, let's talk to our sponsor. Our company is Wonder Capital, and I'm Brian
2: Bersick, the CEO.
0: That's right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. That's Brian. He's the CEO of Wonder Capital. We talked to him a couple of weeks ago as a sponsor of the show. They have a fund which is really trying to push forward commercial solar. So you give them some cash, they take that cash, they invest it into uh, solar projects, commercial solar projects, and you get a return. And let's see what they've been doing with this money.
2: We actually released a great 2016 year in review. You know, one of the dynamics of our lending is, you know, we don't reveal the specific businesses for uh, basically commercial lending and privacy data reasons. That said, we were lucky enough to have six different projects agree to be profiled um, in our 2016 year interview. So I can actually only speak specifically to them, but I'm, I'm happy to speak to the ones that we got a chance to, to give some more data on. So the ones that we, we profiled, I can give you some examples. So we did a, uh, a half million dollar loan to a New Jersey nursing and wellness center, well-established business, rehabilitation and nursing home services around that region, Cherry Hills, New Jersey, good building, kind of great dynamics in that real estate market. We did a uh, Christian high school in arizona i'm in phoenix that was a smaller project a little less than two hundred thousand dollars that was eight point nine seven percent apr on that loan so a nice return for our investors did a Minneapolis uh, office building, a government office building. So completed a smaller project for you know well-established, of course, uh, <laughs> municipal government off taker. So that's a that's a good kind of selection of of the kind of things that we do.
0: So there's a couple of examples. You invest in the fund, they take the money and they do these commercial installations. It sounds pretty cool, but here's the real question, Brian. Why did you create this company? You could have done anything. Smart guy, probably could have been a hedge fund manager, probably could have built oil pipelines and made some serious bank. Why this model?
2: So interestingly enough, myself and my two other co-founders, Dave Reese and Sam Bowden, we're all serial startup entrepreneurs, but all three of us, our previous companies, um, were in the advertising technology space which, although a wonderful space, is not the most mission or purpose-driven market, uh, I would argue. So we actually came together around a conversation of what we could kind of put our skills to that we would want to work on for 20 years and that we'd be proud to tell our grandkids about you know, to, to, to build our lives doing because you know if you build a really successful company, if you look at uh, not to aggrandize where we are, but just look at some some really extreme examples, you know, Gates at Microsoft, Zuck at Facebook, um, Jeff Bezos at Amazon, um, it might be something you spend your life doing. You know, when you start these companies, and we thought arguably the, the most important problem facing humanity is climate change, and we believe that the acceleration of solar is the best path to address that, and we saw that commercial solar was not growing as quickly as residential, and we decided to. To do something
0: about it. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Wonder Capital with a U. So go to wondercapital.com forward slash Tesla and make sure you put that Tesla in there so we get some, you know, love for what we're doing here. And remember, this is investing. It's not without risk. Make sure you talk to your investment professional before dropping bank. But the underlying concept here is really solid. You want to give your money to something that's going to be green, renewable, rather than just throwing it out there to the world. And they could be building, I don't know, cold fired power plants. You don't want that. Wonder Capital. Do well and do good. Let's quickly do letters because Rob is dying and uh, it's late. So let's do them fast. So, first, Kurt Anglesey, I think it is, has a very, very long email about kilowatt hours versus uh, kilowatts and kilojoules. And, oh, it's so hard.
3: I think we all need to just enroll in an online course on electrical engineering and then we could bore our listeners to death and they would.
0: And it's a a really good uh, letter and it goes through all the stuff. But uh, again, you know, kilowatt hours is storage and kilowatts is the amount of energy that's sort of being transferred. But this is hard because it's also based on joules and other stuff. So, look, great letter. I understood it, but I could never say it out loud without screwing it up. I have to say, though, he said to accomplish this every week, for two ish 50-ish-year-old men and a 15-year-old boy is simply amazing. Who's the 15-year-old boy? I assume he's talking about Tom. Okay. William Brown says, uh, look, uh, Will is concerned that I've been whining about Tesla's problems, and we're trying to sort of build Tesla up. Tesla is the future. Tesla is one company that's really trying to move us to sustainable energy. So uh, stop your whining. And I say, I get it. I always feel that tension that I don't want to turn people off But I think we also have to be real that this is not a company that hasn't had problems. And the falcon wing doors are a problem. And I would feel very bad if I just said, oh, the X is great. It's great. It's great. And people bought it and then said, these doors are a pain in the ass. I think you've got to keep it real. But at the same time, I'll never buy any other car except a Tesla. Well, here I've got something here.
3: You hear that liquid? That's a Tesla Kool-Aid that Mel has yet to drink.
0: He has not been completely... uh, I would drink the I would drink the Kool-Aid. If Elon said drink this, I probably would. He would, yeah. Okay. Now I love this, and again, there has got to be that tension between I support this company, I want this company to work, I will never buy anything else but a Tesla. But at the same time, you've got to you've got to keep it real, or you know, you just sound like a little dork. The constructive
3: criticisms are necessary.
0: Tim James says, stop whining about tax uh, and let's move on because you don't get taxed at all. In Australia, they do a particular type of tax for road usage in Melbourne and Sydney. So I got it. I don't want to talk about taxes anymore. But he did bring up that between Melbourne and Brisbane... Their superchargers are now linked all the way up and down the coast. That's so cool. So for those of you that don't know Australia, Australia is a huge country. It's uh, same size as basically uh, the contiguous states of the U.S. It's huge. There's only about 25 million people in there, though. And most of them live up this little green strip up the side on the east coast. Yeah. Um, and between Melbourne and Brisbane is where 80% of the population probably lives. So this is big. And they're about to do South Australia next. So this is huge. I can't wait to go to Australia and do a driving tour of the east coast of Australia in my Tesla.
3: Then you can go scuba diving and see the The Great Barrier Reef before it's completely bleached and dead.
0: But sad. Now, um, this next letter, oh, no, it's from the same person. This is from, who did we say this is from? Tim James has got some ideas about how you would do mass model deliveries, which basically is done by app, go to a stadium, have some fun presentations and say, okay, uh, Mr. Smith, Mrs. Smith, Mr. Jones, come on down, take your car and drive away. And then, you know, sort of a fun way that they could do um, this mass you know, roll out of giving people their cars. It's one idea. It's pretty fun. And I'll report back on how the 15-minute
3: delivery goes. They're sending me now video links so that I can, quote, read up or learn up about the car before I even take delivery. And I'm going to watch them before I take delivery on Thursday or Friday and, uh, and see how maybe... This
0: actually is doable. So, yeah, we talked about they want to get Model 3 down to five minutes. They're obviously practicing with uh, people who are getting their Model S's right now. And the last thing he said is that, uh, you know, Strobel really doesn't like um, EVs for home storage. And I get it, yeah, because Strobel from Tesla was saying, you know, for a home storage batteries, you need to cycle every day a lot. That's not good for an EV battery. It's a different type of chemistry you need. Well, I think we were specifically talking about is plugging your car in as emergency backup or a little bit of uh, charging, discharging in the middle of the day, not this continuous all the way full, all the way empty. So I get it. The, it's not directly analogous to the battery you need for your car, the battery you need for your house.
3: And we talked about this with uh, Dr. Godd at UCLA Smart Energy Grid Research Center. He said that, you know, cycling the car... To run your home is going to drop the lifespan of the car battery. And JB has said in the past that the makeup of the car battery is different than the makeup of the power wall or power pack battery. Those are designed for slow discharge and slow charge up. And the car battery is for fast discharge and fast. This is that C rate Mm -hmm. fast build, fast charge up, and quick discharge so that you get quick torque. Getting your car off the line, so it's a different battery chemistry. I get that, but uh, I want both.
0: Yeah, and as again, as emergency backup is how I want to use my car, not everyday use. Nicholas Brennan says, "Mobileye, you guys didn't talk about the fact that Mobileye got bought by Intel for fifteen billion. This is huge. Actually, we did talk about it. It is huge. Um, this again just shows that there is money here. People are getting this. Mobileye, fifteen billion dollars. That's yeah. a lot of bees.
3: But they're still seven years away." With their link up with, was it BMW? Or Bosch. Or Bosch. Was Bosch and Mobile Oil? Yeah.
0: John McQuinn says, pronunciation of my last name, uh, he basically said, I got it right. Therefore, I am the smart one. Thank you. Oh, my
3: goodness, Mel, he says. Thank
0: you very much. Steve Miller says, I hope this message is finding you well. Uh, Thank you for all you you do. I love the uh, Fooliboo podcast. Briefly, the Beltway, we talked about this last week. So in Washington, they talk about the Beltway. The Beltway is the I-495. And it basically circles the city of Washington, D.C. People inside the Beltway tend to be politicians and lawyers who are involved in politics. Yes. And people outside the Beltway tend to be normal people. So when you talk about inside the Beltway, you're talking about those people in the know who are out of touch. And so that's inside the Beltway. Right. It's very different than the people who live outside the Beltway. That was very helpful. Now I know. Uh, Cage Warner tells us all about puts and stuff again. And again, I just say, it seems to me like a lot of investing is gambling. And I'm not a good gambler, so I dollar cost average. Yes. I buy a little bit every week, and I don't look at it for decade after decade. Hey, Google, what's Tesla's stock price?
2: As of 2.31 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time today, the price for Tesla stock is $267.38 on NASDAQ, up 1.6% from last Friday.
0: Shabam! So it's going up. Dollar cost average every week, every you, month. You know what I know from that? What?
3: Is that we're recording late today.
0: We are, that's right. Christy Morgan says there is new a new NEMA 1430 adapter. You reported months ago that they had a problem with the original one. It, like, heated up and exploded or something, but they have a new one on the market. Yeah, in fact, it was the 1450 was the first
3: reported, quote, heating up. There were two people who said that either a local fire or some local event happened in their garage where they had plugged in their 1450 adapter. And Tesla, some time ago, maybe it was as long as two years now, came out with a new 1450 NEMA 1450 adapter. And you can tell the difference because on the side that plugs into your Tesla charger cord, it has a gray insert, not a black insert. But they had never updated the NEMA 1430. There's actually like four different uh, 30 amp and 50 amp adapter plugs. They had not updated them. They then, maybe it was three months ago, took them off their website and they said they were going to come out with new ones. I actually got an email about two or three weeks ago asking me what address I would like them sent to. I have not received them yet, but evidently all the adapters have now been replaced with an additional safety feature, even though none of them had a problem.
0: So for people outside the United States, we use a 110-volt system here. We have 240 volts if you have a dryer and some other things. So this is a way of plugging into that and adapting it and sticking it in your car, get a faster charge. Yes. Uh, Greg Alexander has a really interesting email, which I'll uh, listen to. So uh, he was listening to you talk about the Bosch automated dishwashing versus automated driving, and it reminds me of a good argument, if I do say so myself, about the time it takes to charge an EV, and it goes something like this. Ice driver says, I don't want an EV. It takes too long to charge. Me. Yeah, I know. That's probably why you don't uh, get a dishwasher, right, too. The ice driver says, what? You know, washing dishes takes yourself 15 minutes. A dishwasher takes over an hour. It takes way too long to wash. Better off doing it yourself ice driver. Don't be stupid. My dishwasher washes while I'm asleep. Me? Really? Best argument ever for charging times. It takes longer, but it's happening overnight. You don't care. That's right. And there's a distinctive hum in my house because
3: the electricity that's flowing from my service panel to my car basically crosses diagonally under my house. And when my charger goes on at 6 p.m., that's when the char- that's when the electricity rates in the time of use plan drops to the lowest at 6 p.m., I hear this mm, light, light hum during the house. And I think, that's great. While I'm sitting here on the couch reading a magazine, the car
0: is charging. I don't have to do a damn thing. So, Greg from Sydney, uh, thank you very much. Um, Patrick in Vienna says, uh, stop picking on Maryland. Uh, There are two service centers there at least and 18 miles apart, and he also goes on to describe what inside and outside the beltway means. Thank you, Patrick. Kip Spanbauer says, uh, are you feeling better about your Model S purchase after Elon's tweet storm yesterday regarding the Model 3? And so, Kip, I think I am a little bit... um, He's telling me that the Model 3 is not going to be a luxury car. So on the one hand, I feel better. Okay, so Model 3 owners aren't going to have a car that's 10 times better than the car that I just bought. But at the same time, Kip, I'm really not a luxury car dude. I grew up in the outback. I used to clean up pig poo. I'm a very unsophisticated guy. So really, the Model 3, or better the Model Y, is the car for somebody like me. who doesn't have that intrinsic appreciation for beautiful cars like many people do. I just need a car to get me around that's uh, fully electric and can drive me. I don't need uh, all the bells and whistles. So I'll tell you after I see a Model 3 if I'm feeling better or not.
1: It'll be
3: really great.
0: Now, the other thing that he also, I think, is from Kip he says, Did you know that there are actually third party people that are creating heads up displays? And he links us to a couple of videos. And I got to say, these are impressive. These are little devices that you put on your dash mm-hmm. that project to a little sort of piece of glass that produce a heads up display, not just in Model 3s, I'm assuming, in all types of different cars. Right. You can talk to them and it projects like two meters ahead. So even if your Model 3 doesn't come with a heads-up display, there are these third-party options, which are not that expensive, like three or 400 bucks, right. and you can have a heads-up display. Kip, that's huge. We'll put these in the show notes. I had no idea you could buy these little things and plug them in. Sounds pretty cool. Then we got Cra- Craig with
3: an interesting spelling, Craig H. Craig H. Tells yeah. us about the big volcano in Yellowstone.
0: So he near, lives near a big uh, volcano in Anchorage, and his summary is this. If Yellowstone blows, what kind of car do you want? You probably want an electric car because all of the ash is going to get sucked into your ice car, and uh, your ice car needs oxygen, and if you don't have it, you're going to stop. But if you have an EV, no air intake, you're going to be okay, at least for 300 miles.
3: You can escape the apocalypse.
0: And Joel Sapp has a nice link here about the physics of SpaceX, which we don't have time to go into, but it's very interesting, and it reminds us that, is it today, Robert? They're firing off the Falcon 9 reused rocket, is it today? I think it's tomorrow. Maybe it's tomorrow. Certainly either today tomorrow, they're going to do the first reuse of a rocket. We're very excited. We hope it doesn't go boomy-boom because it'll be the first time that they've actually sent one into space because the first one that they got that came back and they landed it on the barge is actually outside SpaceX today that Robert drives past, I think, every five minutes. And it's all cleaned up. It's actually to, uh, day after tomorrow. So when this show
3: drops on Wednesday... March 29th, a Falcon 9 will go up with the SES payload. That's one of those uh, communication satellites. It's from Luxembourg. And that's going to be on the first reused Falcon 9. I can't wait.
0: Look, I think we're going to end it there uh, a little bit shorter than we've been doing in the last few weeks because Robert is dying. (coughs) That was on cue. He is dying. Tom's not in the house. Tom's in New York. We miss Tom. We miss the silliness that is Tom. He'll be back next week, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is Talking Tesla. His name is Robert Rosenblum. Yes. My name is Mel Herbert. Yes. That's Google. Tom's in New York. We will talk to you next week. See you on number 80. Oh, boys, we forgot our app and our multimedia pick of the week. One of my favorite parts of the show now. So my app pick of the week is not really an app, but it's an app and some hardware. So... At my house, probably like a lot of people, um, I have a problem with spreading my internet signal, my wireless internet signal, throughout the entire house or out the back. And it's a real problem. And I've tried a number of different solutions. I've tried changing my router. I've tried uh, those ones where you plug it into the wall socket, you get your internet signal into the wall socket, and then it goes through the copper wiring in your house and it pops out the other end via another connector. That doesn't work so great in my place. I've tried sort of uh, just sort of having a booster, so you get your internet signal and then you have uh, another router and you try and boost the signal. But the problem with that is that it then halves your speed. It's just been a real hassle until recently. There's these new things called mesh networks, which are really smart. Take your internet signal, and then they sort of jump it from these little devices to the next device to the next device. And you can put a whole bunch of these around your house and uh, sort of spread that internet signal in what they call you know, a mesh network. And I've found that URO, or Eero, E-E-R-O, I've tried three different ones. This is the one I like the most. Comes with a great app. It's super smart. It's super easy to set up. And so now I've been able to blanket my house in lots of fast internet using this mesh network of the Eero. And the standard pack comes with three. So you put one like next to your router and then one in the room and then one over in that room. And if you've got a really big house or you want to distribute it a lot of places, you can just keep adding them. So I really like the Eero. I've also used Luma, which works pretty well. I don't think quite as well. And I think there's some other ones out there as well. But they're the two that I like, but Eero, or E-E-R-O is the one I like the most and it has a really cool app. And I've got to say, my multimedia pick of the week has got to be Rogue One. And I'm sorry, I know, but it just came out on iTunes here in North America. And Friday night, we're gathering the family and friends together. And we're going to watch it again. It's a really good movie. Yes, I know it's a remake of the original Star Wars. But it's still so very good, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. And I'm sure you've all seen it
1: podcast pick of the week is a podcast called Scene on Radio, S-C-E-N-E. Uh, and there's like a 10-part series they're doing on Race in America that they've gotten three parts so far. And that one is what I've been listening to. Amazing. All right, here's my media pick of the week. It's Get Out. It's not like I like to see movies over and over again. There's just a few. But this one was one of those and I highly recommend it. It's a horror movie, but at the same time it has a lot of social commentary and uh, it's a real smart person's movie. And as far as a app of the week, I really like Sleep Cycle. And uh, I've been using it actually for probably two years now. And it will give you a hard number evaluation of how well you sleep. And it's really quite impressive how this app Now it only uses a microphone. It used to use a motion sensor. You'd have to put it in your bed next to your pillow. You do have to plug your phone in and keep it uh, powered up all night. But this program does a really good job of assessing how well you slept. And if you uh, then use this to make modifications in how you sleep, where you sleep, and the process by which you go to sleep, you'll probably be able to improve the quality of your sleep. So that's my media pick and my app of the week.
2: Talking Tesla is a production of Fooly Incorporated. Produced by Mel Herbert and C.C. Herbert. Hosted by Mel Herbert, Tom Wilson, and Robert Rosenblum. To support Talking Tesla, go to patreon.com forward slash talking tesla. And finally, if you love the show, write us a review on iTunes.